listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Well, I am so excited for um, this morning. I have my friends with me in church today, and, and uh, Jonathan and Tia Bounds. I have known Jonathan my pretty much my entire life since we were, oh dear, someone, some, okay. <laughs> no one fell into the power of the Spirit. I have known Jonathan um, pretty much my entire life since we were little. Our parents were good friends, and so... We grew up together, time at the lake together. So we've known each other for a long time. And then Tia, Tia and I have been friends for, I don't know, quite some time. And the more that I get to know her, the more that I absolutely adore her and adore this couple. Jonathan is going to come bring the word today. And Jonathan is got incredible depth of wisdom. And we can be all sitting around talking And when Jonathan speaks, everyone's like, really? Like, where did this come from? Where did all of this wisdom come from? Like, you're our age. You shouldn't know that much. (laughs) But I'm excited to have him this morning. I know he's carrying a word for our church. So please welcome Jonathan. It's really good to be here this morning. Um, And just already... I don't know if you ever sense this, but when you walk into a, a place you haven't, you're not normally in, or a place that you haven't been in a while, and uh, you begin to kind of feel the place out, and you, you shake some hands and hug some people, but when you start to worship with people, and you start to worship God with people, it's like there's an instant bond. It feels like you've been together forever. Uh, some of you may have experienced that in other countries where they weren't even singing in your language, and instantly you felt like you were home. Because it was the presence of God, it was the people of God, it was the spirit of God amongst his people. And, and that's exactly what we feel, Tia and I, as we're here. And, and I know Moses, as he's down with the kids, uh, that's what we feel. And we thank you for that, uh, because we know this is a place where people are expecting God. And uh, when you come in expecting God, you experience God and you receive from God. And so I'm, I'm expecting today, this is cool, um, I'm expecting today that God's going to speak to us and that God's going to do something amongst us. It's a special day in the church calendar. It's a special day in history because it's Pentecost. And if you don't know what Pentecost is, that's okay, but it's, uh, you, you'll learn today. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, right? So that's where the Penta comes from. Pentecost is that 50 days after where they remembered the giving of the law, they remembered that uh, Moses went up on Sinai and brought down the commandments. They remembered all that, but they also thanked God for the, for the, the, the seeds that were sown to the harvest. There was a lot, lot to it. But in the New Testament, something powerful happened because they would have these festivals. I mean, that's what we mean when we say feast, right? We mean a festival. Not just a meal, but a festival. That's why many, many times we see it during these feasts or festivals that uh, Jesus and his disciples would go to Jerusalem. It's why on the day of Pentecost, which is like the beginning of the church, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, that's why people from all different nations were there because everybody made the trip to the festival. And on the Feast of Pentecost, Pentecost, that festival day, this was the day that the 120 believers were in a room, in the upper room, the same room that they had had the Last Supper. And they were in that place, eating together, praying together, just waiting on the promise of the Spirit. 
They didn't know they were waiting for Pentecost. They didn't know if they're going to wait there a week or a month or how long. But Jesus said, wait here until you are clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power is a big phrase, right? So many times we're looking for a touch, just a moment, just a little bit. But the promise of Jesus is that if you'll wait here, you're going to be clothed with power because I'm sending my spirit. In fact, that's what he said to them when they were despondent that he was going to be uh, going away. He told you, he said, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to rise again, but I'm going to ascend the father for a while. I won't be with you. And he said, this is, I can tell that's troubled your heart. I can tell that's causing you a lot of sorrow because I told you I won't be with you, but it's good for you if I go away. I don't know if anybody in here has ever really, I'm sure you have, but I don't know how many of us have really thought about what that means, that Jesus would say, it's good for you if I'm not here. Like if you had the option to, this morning to have Jesus physically here in the building, we'd all be like, yeah, easy. No offense, Jonathan, but uh, we'll take him, right? You're, you're all right, but you're not Jesus. I mean, Jesus. And yet... Jesus said it, and it's true. It's better if I'm not physically here. The reason is, is if I'm physically here, there's one of me. There's how many believers on the planet? If we only had one Jesus, can you imagine how long it would take for you to have a moment with Jesus? How you catch that plane, and you'd have to fly all the way to the Middle East, and you'd have to wait in, in a line for days and days, maybe even weeks, just for a few minutes with Jesus. But he said, if I go away, here's what gets to happen. I'm going to send my spirit. And he's going to live in every single one of you. And when he tells them what the spirit's going to do, it's not a light version of what they've experienced. In fact, he says, you already know the spirit because that's who you've been walking with. Everything you love about me is the Holy Spirit working through me. And when I go away, I'm sending my spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I was thinking about another festival this morning. Um, and we'll read that in a minute, which was the Feast of Booths and how Jesus interrupted that feast with a, with a, uh, a loud proclamation. But I want to go back a couple chapters first to John chapter four and just read a little bit of something that really stood out to me. In John chapter four, some of you might know, Jesus has ventured into an area that most Jews don't go. He's gone into Samaria. He's gone into a place that most Jews said, those are heretics, they're kind of a cult, they're weird. There was a racial divide. The Samaritans hated the Jews, the Jews hated the Samaritans. But Jesus goes and he has a conversation with a woman at the well, and maybe you've read this or been taught this, but there's something weird about a woman by herself in the middle of the day drawing water. Because typically that was something all the women did together in the morning. We begin to learn a little bit more about this lady and the fact that she's had five husbands and the man she's with is not her husband. You begin to understand why in a traditional society that might be the kind of woman that's by herself in the middle of the day. The disciples think it's inappropriate. Jesus has gone to talk to a woman. It's even more inappropriate. He's gone to talk to a Samaritan woman. And he says, can you, can you draw me some water? Can you draw me some water? In John chapter 4, I want you to see this. He said, in verse 10, Jesus, well, let's go back for a minute. He asked her from water. 
He says, give me a drink in verse eight, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew would ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. This well is deep. Where would you get this living water? Uh, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. She's saying like, this is an important well. Where are you going to get this living water? Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And she said, sir, give me this water. And that phrase comes back and slaps me in the face all the time. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God that was standing right in front of you, you would have asked me for a drink. It wasn't long ago I came back to this chapter. I see, I always skip through this part. I don't skip it, but I figure that I know it. I don't know how many of you are like me where you think, I know this part. I'm going to skip to, I'm going to skip to the part I haven't studied for a while. And I just kind of skip through this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just getting to the part where he'll tell her her story. and She'll run back to the city and say, I found the Messiah. And the whole city gets saved. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But what slapped me in the face was this phrase. If you knew the gift of God that was right in front of you, you would have asked me for a drink. And I felt like God was saying to me, like, why haven't you asked me for a drink in a while? If you knew what was right in front of you, you'd ask for it. And you look through all of these times in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God specifically says, ask me. He doesn't force it. He doesn't make anybody come and he doesn't, he doesn't drag them by the ear. He doesn't cram it down their throat. He says, ask me this. There's this beautiful phrase or beautiful uh, uh, passage in Ezekiel 36 where God is talking to exiled people who've been torn out of their land and all that's left of their homeland are ruins and broken places and, and, and nobody lives there. Even the birds don't want to live there. And, and, and God says to them, here's what I want to do. I want to bring you back to your land and I want to restore it. No, 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 no. I don't want to build it like it was. I want to make it like the Garden of Eden. I want to make it that good. And I want to bring you guys home and I want to bring you back and I want to restore your kids and I want to rebuild the buildings and the walls and the temple and I want to do all of this. And, and don't even think I'm doing this because you're so nice. I'm doing this for me. And then he says this. He paints them this amazing picture of what he wants to do from ruins to the Garden of Eden. That's how beautiful it's going to be. And he says, these things I'll let you ask me and then I'll do them. Because God's the one that came up with the picture. God's the one that painted the picture for them and says, this is how beautiful it could be. Megan, Pastor Megan just said, he's going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think. And part of him doing exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think is him telling you what that looks like. But you've never dared to ask God for, what you've never dared to dream. Sometimes he has to tell you, this is what I want to do. And when he painted that picture for them, he says, I'm going to let you ask me. Then I'll do it. You notice he didn't bypass us. He didn't say, I'm just going to do it. Get out of the way. I'm going to tell you what I want to do. You're going to ask me. Then I'll do it. 
Jesus says here, if you knew what was standing right in front of you, you would have asked me. If you knew the gift of God that was right in front of you, you would have asked me for a drink. Skip forward a, a chapter. We're not going to read it right now, but Jesus feeds thousands of people. You know the story, right? Feeds thousands of people um, with just a basket full of food. And he does this two times. He does this for 5,000 men and their families, and then he does it for 4,000 men and their families. And then by the time we get to John 7, so we, we're just marching through here, or John 6, by the time we get to John 6, he's got a crowd of people following him and, and they've got one thing on their mind. That free lunch that they got that one time, that was so cool, right? Like here's the guy healing the sick, raising the dead. But, but remember that time that he, we all got cheeseburgers? Wasn't that awesome? Like that's the kind of church I wanna go to. Food church, right? So they, they, they go and they follow him and they go, hey, um, you got any bread? <laughs> And he says, well, uh, is that why you're here? Are you just here for a free lunch? Are you following me because I fed you? And then they try to get spiritual on him and they go, well, our father Moses gave us bread. <laughs> right? Like, let me quote a scripture to you. Moses gave bread. Why can't you? It's a spiritual thing I want. And Jesus says, let me tell you something about that bread that Moses gave them. It was bread from heaven. And he says, let me freak you out. I'm the bread from heaven. And it did freak them out. You see, you see what they wanted, because what he told them is, stop working for the bread that will perish and spend your energy on the bread that won't pass away. The bread you got that fed you for an afternoon, you were hungry the next day. But I've got bread that you'll never get hungry again. You'll never go hungry again. That doesn't mean you won't have a hunger and thirst for God or a hunger and thirst for righteousness because how many of you know there's a difference between being hungry and going hungry? Right? My son is hungry every day, but he never goes hungry. Right? Whenever he's hungry, he's fed. And when you come to the well of life, when you come to God, it doesn't mean I'll never hunger for him. I always hunger for him. I thirst for him, but I never have to go hungry or thirsty. He is always right there. So Jesus says, you know, I'm the bread. And it freaked them out. And because Jesus is not okay with him being a little freaked out, he wants him a lot of freaked out. He says, in fact, if you want to be part of me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Because, I mean, right? Because he's finally got a crowd, you know? He's finally got a big church, and now it's, it's going to be cannibal vampire church. He's changed it. And they're really bothered by what he said. And I don't know why they didn't say, you know, he, he's probably not talking literally, right? But Jesus doesn't even correct them. He doesn't say, wow, there's, there's this whole thing that like I'm going to do at Passover. We're going to break some bread. You're going to drink some juice. And I'll say, this is my body, right? Like he, he doesn't explain it. He just leaves them to be weirded out. And his disciples even are kind of on the fringe. And remember, the whole crowd departs from him. And he turns to his disciples and says, you guys want to leave? And, and they don't really give him a definitive no. They just say, where else would we go? <laughs> like, if you have other options, let me know now, because I'll, I'll book the ticket. But where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. They don't say, that was so right on, Jesus. I know what you were saying about the whole flesh and blood thing. No, they don't. They don't say, no, that was a good sermon, preacher. They're like, we got nowhere else to go, man. Like, 
I guess we're with you. <laughs> if we had somewhere else to go, believe me, we'd be there already. This is it. He keeps bringing everybody back to this point. You keep chasing things that are never satisfying you. You keep drawing from wells that never satisfy. It brings me back to Isaiah 55, where the Lord says, hey, everybody that thirsts, come to me. Everybody that's hungry, that's come to me. And, and then God says, and you can hear him passionately say this, it doesn't sound passive. It doesn't sound like he's just calmly saying this. It sounds like a God that passionately loves his people. He says, why do you keep spending your money on things that'll never satisfy you? Why do you keep drawing from wells that'll never quench your thirst? And when he says spending your money, he's not just talking about cash. He's talking about your life, your time, your energy, that very breath that God gave you. Why do you spend it on things that will never satisfy you? And this is a God that is not uh, berating his people. He's not, you know, uh, 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 coming at them like, you know, I condemn you now. Instead, there's this love that you, a father would have for his sons, a, a mother would have for her daughters. This, this love of like, why are you wasting your life? And me, I, I grew up in, in, a, in a good godly atmosphere. And I'd like to tell you that I always, I always ran to the well. I always drank of, of him. I always w wanted to be full of the spirit. But the truth is, is that that's, that's not the story of my life. In fact, the story of my life is uh, I went through seasons where I developed structures that kept me busy and things that kept me happy. I didn't go crazy into the world like some people would have defined it, but my heart was hard at times I don't know that I was any better I remember those moments where I just found ways to keep myself busy found ways to keep my mind from getting too alone you know um, I was singing today about what it means to be full of the spirit right like filled with the spirit because every time you read in the bible god never talks about you having a little bit of the spirit especially in the new testament it's always full be filled he doesn't say i want you to have a little bit of me be filled with my love be filled with the spirit i mean it's always full that's his language i want you to be full and in fact when he says don't be drunk with wine for that's wasteful that's dissipation but be filled with the holy spirit in the original language, that's a continuous verb. It's keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. You guys remember in Acts chapter 2, God poured out His Spirit on the church and they were all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the apostles, not just the precious few that got the gift. Every single person in the room got full of the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other tongues and went out into the very city that just crucified their Savior that they were hiding from only a couple of weeks before. Now they're going to go out and preach the gospel with boldness. That happened. But then two chapters later, Peter and John have just been threatened with their lives. They, they've been threatened, never preach in the name of Jesus again. And so they come back to their own group and they say, we need to pray. And they don't pray that the bad people will stop. They don't pray that the persecution ends. They pray, Lord, grant us boldness. The first they acknowledge, God, this is not a surprise to you. You knew. But they say, Lord, grant your bondservants boldness. That we might speak your word boldly. And Lord, would you extend your hand to heal? Just like we sang just a minute, a few minutes ago.
Would you extend your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and mighty deeds to the name of your servant, Jesus Christ? And God's response to that prayer was to fill them with the Holy Spirit. The same people that got full two chapters ago had to be filled again. You can't live on what happened to you in 1995. We could tell those stories. We need those stories, but you can't live on an old story any more than you can live on a meal you ate last week, right? Why is it that we do this thing? Like, I mean, even, even Christians, do, we do this on Sundays. Like, Sunday's when I get fed. Sunday better not be the only day you're getting fed, friends. Would you, would you eat one meal a week? I mean, maybe some crazy health, that's not even healthy, I don't know. Maybe some crazy person does that, but you wouldn't eat one meal a week and be like, oh, Sunday, my, my meal day, right? You'd be very weak. And I wonder how many Christians are very weak because they don't know what it's like to be full. But I can tell you, I was one. I'm not sitting up here as the preacher saying, I've never known it. I know exactly what it's like. And I used to think that not being full of the Spirit looked like I had this tank that got empty and it needed to be filled again. I always imagined this special reserve tank that was only for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it got empty and sometimes it was filled. But you know what I've learned? That's not really the way it works. In fact, it wasn't like there was this tank that would get empty and stay empty. It was, a, it was like I have my own spirit, my own soul could be full of the spirit or it could be full of a lot of other things. Nature abhors a vacuum. If you leave space, something's going to fill it. It's not like there's this tank that's just sitting empty. It's like there's a life that's full of all these other things that we've crowded with all these other things, all these other coping mechanisms, all these other ways we self-medicate. We go home and we say, I don't want to think too much. I'll turn on Netflix so I don't have to think anymore. I'm stressed. We go and we, we say, you know, it'd be easier for right now if I, just, if, I just, um, if I just took a little of this or if I did a little of that. I used to say like, I remember having a conversation with somebody in the lobby of our church we were talking about our, our mutual like for coffee, how we enjoyed it. I used to say love for coffee, but I've, I've learned you, you love God, you love people. You like things, right? Don't love things. Like, love God, love people. You can like coffee. You can enjoy coffee. I really enjoy coffee, right? My, my wife knows it. We really enjoy good coffee. And I, I was talking to somebody in the lobby and we were, they were saying, yeah, 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 I like this. And I said, well, you know, I usually have one every morning and, and I really find on Sunday morning I have one for the service just to wake me up. And the minute I said it, and I'm not telling you this is wrong for you, but the minute I said it, there was this knock in my spirit that I needed a substance to get me pumped up to preach or awake enough to preach. Do you know what I'm saying? And I said, I do not want to depend on coffee as a substitute for the working of God's spirit. So I made sure I never, I just didn't drink coffee before the service I had some coffee now because you guys got a great coffee bar but I didn't need it do you know what I'm saying now I've lived I've ministered with addicts all my life and some of them are addicted to very illegal substances and everybody knows they're an addict but there are some that have all these different things they've put in their life to keep themselves above water it's not illegal it's not illicit there's no group for it, but you know, I've put all these things to keep myself from remembering how alone I feel. I'll keep these things to keep me going. I, I, I have these things to, to give me peace. 
when Jesus is saying, if you knew the gift that was standing right in front of you, you'd ask me for a drink. Why are you going to wells that'll never satisfy you? Why are you spending your energy, your lifeblood on things that will never cause your hunger to go down? And he says here to these people, and I wish you, you said, I'm telling you right now, work for the bread that doesn't perish. And I want to turn real quick to Acts chapter 7. Now John chapter 7, sorry. Just a few chapters later from John 4. Pastor Megan, I didn't bring a clock, so I have no idea what time it is. 11.30, all right. John chapter 7. This is another festival. It's the Festival of Booths. Did anybody here get excited about the Festival of Booths? What'd you guys do for Festival of Booths this year? <laughs> Nothing? You didn't bring out your booze decorations? Nobody? For real? Wow, you guys are a bunch of heathens. I don't know. I thought when you invited me that this was going to be a group of Christians, but apparently. No, I don't even know. Yeah, we don't do booze either. Um, but I love this story. And I really wish I could be in Jerusalem during this, this festival because they did some really cool stuff. They, they were thanking God for the harvest. So it's their harvest festival, right? It's their Thanksgiving day. Maybe we do kind of celebrate it. But they would have like all these sorts of things. There was, there was many different days of this festival. And, uh, you know, they'd have a torchlight procession. They'd have all these things. But, but there, was, there was the last day. And that's what the Bible here calls the great day, the big day, the grand finale. And what's so interesting about this festival is that everybody expects Jesus to show up because he always comes to the festivals, but they want to kill him. So they've got the word out that he's got a hit on his head. He's got a bounty out. If you see him, let us know. We're going to kill him. And then they've got some people who aren't from Jerusalem that are like, this guy's paranoid. He's weird. He thinks people are after him because people actually were. So when he's talking about, you know, I'm where I'm going, you don't know where I'm going. I mean, they got freaked out by it. But the Pharisees are looking for him. The Sadducees are looking for him. All the religious elites are looking for Jesus. And he's popping up from time to time. Like he's just popping up at the festival, teaching in the temple. And he didn't even hide, but he'd teach in the temple. Then he'd go away and they couldn't find him. I mean, these guys are like the Keystone Cops. These guys are like, you know, I mean, Hogan's Heroes or something, the bad guys in Hogan's Heroes. Like they're always showing up a little too late and Jesus has just escaped, right? And he, he um, pops up on the last day. The last day is really cool because they say that it was the last day where the um, high priest would go and he would draw this water from this pool. There'd be a whole procession. People would follow him. And it's said that one of the verses that would be chanted or sang even during this ceremony of the drawing of the water, and, and, and listen to this, during the ceremony of the drawing of the water, it was to remember the water coming out of the rock when the Israelites were with Moses coming out of Egypt, where God told Moses, strike the rock and water will come out. The people were dying of thirst, dying of thirst, and God brings water from a rock. Now, why would God bring them to a place where there was no water? Because the wilderness was their training ground. You're going to learn how to depend on me for water. You're going to learn how to depend on me for food. 
When they came to a place where the water was poisonous, he, he, God showed Moses a tree and he said, you bring that tree, you put it in the water and the bitter water, the poison water will become sweet, will become drinkable, which showed us what does that tree represent? It represents the cross of Christ, which when put in our bitterness, which put in our sinful spirit, cleansed us and made us whole again. So the wilderness was their training ground. And they learned that when we have no water, God's going to take care of us. And Moses struck the rock and water came out. Well, later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us that rock was Christ. And the water was the Holy Spirit. And so that's why Moses got in trouble the second time. God told them, speak to the rock and the water will come out. And Moses was ticked off at the people because they're being just their normal selves. And they're being jerks and, and they're, they're complaining about everything. They're acting like toddlers in the backseat of a road trip. And he just gets upset. And so he hits the rock with a stick. And God says, you, are, you, you shouldn't have done that. And now you don't get to go in the promised land. And I remember as a kid reading that going, why are you so mad at Moses? He just hit it with a stick. He did what he did the first time. Till you realize... The rock is Christ. The water is the Spirit. And Jesus only had to be struck once. He never had to be struck again. How do we, how do we get that well to come up again now? We don't, Jesus isn't have to die for you to get the Holy Spirit anymore. He doesn't have to die again for you to get refreshed in his presence. He doesn't have to die again for you to be forgiven. He doesn't have to die again for you to be restored. What do you do now? You speak and the well comes out. Moses said to him, sing to the well and the well will come out. So on the last day, they remembered this moment and they drew the well and they said from Isaiah, now with joy will we draw from the waters of salvation. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. We will draw from the wells of Yeshua. And there's a mystery dude who's been walking around, unseen. They're trying to catch. They got their security. I, I don't see him. Everybody's looking for him. They probably really played well on the stream, I know. Sound guys just love it when you do stuff like that. Let's pick up there. John 7, read this with me. He's, he's caused some issues already because this is what he does. His brothers had told him, why don't you do a bunch of miracles at the feast? Because if you're so special, why don't you do some miracles in Jerusalem where it really matters? You know, it's like telling a, an athlete, why don't, you, why don't you do this in the big leagues then? Yeah, you're real big fish in a small pond here. But if you really are something, and the Bible says because his own brothers didn't believe in him. But by the time we get to John 7, we get to the last day of the feast. It says this in John 7. Let's start in verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowds muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore, Jesus said, for a little while longer I'm with you. Then I'll go to him who sent me. And you'll seek me and you'll not find me. And where I am, you can't come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we won't be able to find him? He's not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said, you'll seek me and you won't find me, and where I am, you can't come? And on the last day, the great day of the feasts, as they draw from the well and say, out of the well with joy, you will draw from the wells of Yeshua. Yeshua himself stands up and says, if anybody is thirsty, 
If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those, he believed, those who believed in him were yet to receive. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is giving a preview about what's to come. And as they're thinking, they're just remembering the past. Jesus is speaking of the future. And as they draw that well from the well of Yeshua, Yeshua stands up and says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink of me. Do you believe that same call is going out to us today? If you're thirsty, come and get a drink. Oh, I've already been filled with the Spirit. I've already been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I got it done. I got it done by the best evangelist you've ever known. Like it matters who did it. Right? Like it matters what guy put his sweaty palm on you. Come on. If it's the Spirit, it's the Spirit. Thank God. I've heard people say, have you, have you heard people say this? I've been prayed, prayed on by the best of them. But like if it was in the Spirit, if it was, if it was in the name of Jesus, then God treated it like Jesus himself was laying his hands on you. That's what matters. Thank God for anointed men and women of God. I'm not, I'm not cutting that out. Thank God for giftings. Amen. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what happened in 2007 if you haven't stayed full, if you haven't kept coming to the well, if, you have, if you've developed all these systems and structures so that when God leaves, nobody notices. Then we're going to a well that's not satisfying. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing to one another. Admonish one another. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Keep being filled. And if Acts 4 church still needed another filling of the Spirit so they could go out in power, then we do too. If you knew the gift that was right there, you'd ask me. And I imagine Jesus is saying that right now. If you just knew what was right in front of you, you'd ask me. Out of his innermost, out of her innermost, out of your innermost will flow rivers of living water. When Pastor Megan said, it felt like it's coming out of your stomach, I can agree. Because they, the, in the Bible, they often talk about that. Out of your belly, out of the, out of the innermost being, there's going to come something out that, that's going to be rivers of living water that PA needs. Rivers of living water that the next person you talk to, it, it could very well be we sang about resurrection. Don't you think that God can use you to bring that resurrection to somebody? We often say this, I've said this to our church so many times, we look at the world and we look at how broken the world around us is and we look at how perverse things become because everything gets perverse when it's separated from the maker, right? Everything good he created when you separate it from him begins to get twisted. Nothing was meant to exist outside of him. So even good things he created become perverse. Everything that's broken on our world is broken because of separation. That's why Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And he made it possible through the cross that people could come back to life. And when you're coming back to life, who are you coming back to? You're coming back to God, for he is life. And so do you think that that same God who went with Jesus to Samaria when no one else would go, will go with you to whatever Samaria is around here? Do you think that somebody needs a drink? Do you think that there's somebody that needs an encounter that they're not getting when they're, when they're uh, waking up and, and figuring out how to get through the day? 
but we've said this and I've said this so many times to our church we look around and we go the world needs Jesus you ever heard it you ever heard people say that kind of like cynically like you need Jesus like that's how messed up everybody is like you guys need Jesus and most of the time when people say that they're not actually offering you any solutions they're just like I can't help you you need Jesus that's how messed up you ever just like turn on you go on a YouTube chain for a minute and then you're like oh the world needs Jesus and I need to shut my computer this is messed up but if we're saying the world needs Jesus do you know what we're really saying the world needs his church because the church the Bible says the church is his body the fullness the fullness not part of him the fullness of him The church is meant to be the fullness of Christ to a world around us. We're not a taste of Jesus. We are meant to be the fullness of Christ who fills all and is in all. And when we say the world needs Jesus, we're saying the world needs the church. But you know what the world needs? A church that's full of Jesus. A church that's full of the Spirit. The world doesn't need a PG-rated version of what they've already got. Right? We don't, they don't need more therapy. They don't need, they need this, they need the living spirit of God. Now I'm not against therapy. I'm not against any of those things. But let me tell you, there are some things, there are, everything in life can only really be solved through reconciliation. God will use these different methods. God will do, God uses doctors, thank God. God uses all these things. But listen, you can't leave out the most important piece, which is Him. Without Him, it'll always be broken. It'll always be broken. You'll always be broken. You ever wondered how Christians have been at church all their life? Get to a place where they learn how to cope, learn how to act Christian in church, but no longer carry any spark of life. I'm not calling anybody out because thank I don't really know you guys, but I know me. And I know what it's like to say all the right things. I could answer all the right questions. And I knew what it's like to have a glass of water in front of me and just be too proud to ask for a drink. And I've just decided, I remember deciding that I was never gonna say that again. I was never gonna say no. I was never gonna resist anymore. I was just gonna surrender. If the world needs Jesus, the world needs us. The world needs us to be full of Jesus. If if two people are stranded in an ocean, in a raft, one is dying of thirst if you took a cup and you reached into the sea and you offered him a drink of ocean would that help him no in fact it would make him more thirsty this is what happens when we just offer the world more of what they've already got they've already got ocean all around them They've already got the pad answers. They've already got the little, you know, well, they're there. Maybe God, I mean, they've already got all that. What they need is something they've never had before. What they need is rain from heaven. And Jesus is saying, if anybody wants a drink, if anybody's thirsty. So I'm praying today, every single one of us would stay thirsty, but would never stop drinking from the well of life. That we would stay full, that we would not be able to, operate as a church. I've always said this about our church. I never want us to be a church that that would still function if God wasn't there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, I want us to be a church that if God's not there, we collapse. We don't work. 
Because if, if, you're, if we're a church that works without God, if we're a church that works without His presence, if we're a church that works without the Spirit, we are not a church at all. We're a club. The world doesn't need more clubs. They need the church of Jesus Christ. So I want you to just realize that Yeshua himself is standing up saying, if you're thirsty, come get a drink. And I wonder if you'd be able to be that person that goes out and says, is anybody thirsty here? Because you know what? Thirsty people, hungry people don't have their lives all put together. A lot of people ignore them. That woman at the well was somebody that everybody ignored. But thirsty people, they need Jesus. Those are the people that you don't really want to talk to. Those are the people that you're not itching to go speak to. But they need Jesus. The same thing goes for the business person that seems like they've got it all together. They got it all together. Their life is working, but the truth is they have the same self-medicated coping mechanisms we all have. Go home. Let me turn my brain off because I can't bear to think of all the things that have caused me such anxiety and depression. I go out and I put on a happy face because I can't bear to tell people what's really going on. I go on and pretend like I'm everybody's friend because I don't really want to be known because if you knew me, you wouldn't like me like this. And we develop, we have a whole society that is slowly self-medicating themselves to death. Some's with, some with substances and some with habits, things we do to keep ourselves going. But if you knew the gift in front of you, you'd ask for a drink. And I pray today that you would not spend your life on bread that's going to pass away. You wouldn't spend your life on water that's never going to quench your thirst. You wouldn't spend your money on stuff that is never going to fix the real problem. But that you get so thirsty and hungry for the things of God. You say, I can't survive unless I'm full. If this is Pentecost Sunday, if this is Pentecost Sunday, let's make it, let's make it our moment to say, Lord, fill me again. Lord, refresh me. I, 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 we want to be a church because listen, I, I love the fact that on Pentecost, there wasn't one person filled. They were all filled. God likes to fill groups. God likes to fill a church with his presence. God likes a church that says not one of us is being left behind. Amen. Today, I believe that's what God wants for you. If you're able, would you stand with me this morning? If you knew what was in front of you, you'd ask for a drink. I was reading a book by E.M. Bounds, not a direct relative, but he's a guy that's brilliant on, and prolific on prayer from the 19th century. And he was going through all the instances in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God told people to ask. And he says, he's always telling you to ask. Here Jesus says, come to me and ask. Come to me and have a drink. He's, always, he's, he's, he's already done his move. Now it's your move, right? What's my move? What's my reaction to what God has done? What's my reaction to what Jesus has offered? What's my reaction to his promise? And sometimes we think that like, if there was revival, we'd all get it, right? We'd all just get swept up in the wave. The truth is most of the stuff that God does, nobody notices. Like the Messiah walked the earth for how many years and nobody noticed? I mean, people noticed. I'm not saying nobody noticed, but a lot of people did not know him. Could it be that God would do something in the midst of you and some folks would never notice because they weren't looking for it? Would you have your eyes open today? 
Lord, I pray that you would refresh us. You would restore us. Lord, make us thirsty for the right things. Make us hungry for the right things. Lord, you are that rock from which flows the Spirit. And we can't live without your Spirit. We can't preach without your Spirit. We can't we can't breathe without your spirit. We can't uh, uh, bring any life to anyone without your spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you would, uh, I know you're so faithful to forgive us when we have tried to replace your spirit with some cheap substitute. When we said, I can't be full of the spirit because I'm full of so many other things. Or when we've shortchanged what full might look like. Lord, I'm praying if there's anyone thirsty this morning, you'd give them a drink. As they come to you, you'd give them such a drink like they've never had. They said today and reminded us that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think. So we're going to do our part and we're going to ask. You do your part and do more than we could ever ask. Because that's who you are. You're a God of abundance. You're a God of filling. You are a God of resurrection. You are a God of restoration. You're a God that never leaves us like we were. You're a God that never leaves the dying man to die. But you lift him up. And you give him a place amongst your people. Today, there's a prayer team here. I talked to Pastor Megan. There's a prayer team that wants to pray with you. If you, if you say, I, I want to receive that. I want to be, in fact, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you say today, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, that's a wonderful thing. And you need it. One time there was an evangelist named Philip in Acts chapter 8 that went to Samaria. And he preached the gospel. And people got saved. And people got healed. And people got delivered from, uh, from evil spirits. But do you know what? Oops. He forgot to tell them they could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John came and fixed the mistake. And they preached the Holy Spirit. And when they laid their hands on people, people got filled. So much that one of the local magicians was like, give me that gift. Because there was a notable change when they laid their hands on people. Then Paul, in Acts chapter 19, met a group of disciples. And he noticed that they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. And he said, no, you guys can't do this without them. And when they, he laid his hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to tell you, you can't do a thing without the Spirit of God. Now, you may have, you're born again, you got the Spirit of God dwelling within you, but I want you to be clothed with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be baptized. The word baptized comes from a Greek word that was one of their words to mean to dye fabric, to fully immerse. And when you fully immersed fabric and dye, it came out a different color. Would you be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit today? In Jesus' name. Love you guys. Remember, so today, if that's you, come on up. Come on up. These people here are ready to pray with you. If you need anything from the Spirit of God, don't be too shy or too proud to ask. If you knew the gift of God, you would ask, and he'd give you a drink. Amen. Pastor Megan. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.